Thanks for listening to the Revelation Lecture Podcast, an audio service of the Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary Library. For more, please visit www.wls.wells.net. Lecture 1, Part E. Um, In the next verse, John identifies himself then um, as the uh, writer of the book. Um, John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, uh, and those seven churches are on that map on the first page. It's kind of interesting to see um, how the churches are named. You have uh, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, uh, Philadelphia, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. If you would make a circuit of those congregations, this is the way you would visit them, see? You go north, uh, by the way, on your map, you don't have Ephesus. That dot right on the, on the sea coast, that should be Ephesus. Um, somehow that dropped out. The little circle that's in the, in the sea um, to the left of that dot is the island of Patmos. And while we're co- making corrections in the, under um, the name of the book in the third line, uh, apocalypsis is the Greek word for revelation, not if. But um, you see, um, the man who um, um, wrote this book uh, knew the order in which those cities come. Um, of course, this is the Lord Jesus who names the cities in the order in which somebody would travel to them. Huh? If uh, somebody went around to deliver these seven churches, he would visit those churches in that order. He'd come first to, the, to Smyrna and then to Pergamos, then over to Thyatira and down the line till you come down to Laodicea. Right, now the, the book is a letter. Um, the whole book is a letter, really. Um, there are individual letters in chapters 2 and 3. But grace to you and... See, John, to the seven churches, grace and peace to, uh, to you. Now, that reminds you, I'm sure, of the letters of Paul. Paul's letters always start with Paul... Uh, to the church in, churches in Galatia, or Paul to the saints in Philippi, Paul to the uh, believers in, in such and such a city, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of the letters of Paul starts this way, and the whole book of Revelation really starts this way too. The first three verses are the title. See? And then the next verse simply is the greeting for the whole book, which makes the whole book a letter. And then you have um, this threefold description of God that I referred to before. First of all, God the Father is described as the one who is and who was and who is to come. That's a very interesting um, interesting um, uh, name for God um, that um, is connected also with the Old Testament again. When, God, when Moses met God at Mount Sinai and asked God, what is your name? You all remember what God said. God said, I am that I am. And then he's, uh, in that connection, God says that his name is Jehovah. Um, this is my name. Now, the word Jehovah is a Hebrew word. Uh, actually, the, the word Jehovah is a word the Jews didn't know. The Jehovah's Witnesses have that all, all wrong. Um, the word Jehovah was not a word that was, uh, people say that's the Hebrew name for God, but it isn't true. The, the Jews never um, uh, used the word Jehovah. Even when they uh, spoke the name of God, they didn't uh, say Jehovah. Later on, they never spoke that name. But the, uh, the Hebrew language does not have any vowels to begin with. At least it doesn't write vowels. 
It has vowels when you speak, but when Hebrew was written, it had no vowels. And so the name of God, which we pronounce as Jehovah, is simply J-H-V-H. Or it could be J-A-W-H, whichever um, um, system of transliteration you want to use. Now, later on, um, that, that name was not pronounced Jehovah in the beginning. It was un we don't know exactly how it was pronounced because um, the Jews never pronounced it in later years. Uh, they pronounced it at first, but later they never pronounced it again because they said, the second commandment says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. This is the name of God, so to be sure we never take it in vain, we are never going to take it on our lips. And every time they came to this name in the Bible, they would not read it. They would read another word, the Hebrew word for Lord. And the vowels for Lord are these. Um, now, uh, Hebrew writes backwards, of course, but the, the vowels for Lord are E-O-A. Okay. So when they put the vowels together with those consonants, then you get Jehovah, but they never said that. They, all, they said Adonai um, instead of Jehovah. And when they then um, put the vowels, the vowels were not put in until about 400 years after the time of Christ. Up to that time, there were never no vowels at all in the Hebrew Bible. Um, and now, we um, the name undoubtedly was pronounced Yahweh. See? Um, Yahweh... We still, have ref we still have remnants of that in the word hallelujah. See, hallelujah means praise Yahweh, or praise the Lord, we say, just because, because the Jews always said Lord when they got to this name Yahweh. But the word Yahweh means he is. See? Which is exactly the same as I am. Why? When he talks about himself, he says I am. But when I talk about him, I have to say, he is. And so this is the way John identifies God the Father. He is the one who is. He is Yahweh. He is, he is. And not only he is, but he was. And he is coming. He is, he is always past, present, and future. That's God the Father. Now from the seven spirits that are before the throne. That we'll have to skip for a minute and from Jesus Christ. So from God the Father, and from the seven spirits, and from Jesus Christ. God the Father, God the Son, and then the seven spirits must be God the Holy Ghost. Uh, this is the only place, um, the book of Revelation is the only place where the Holy Ghost is, uh, with any kind of regularity, spoken of as the seven spirits of God. Now at first glance that sounds kind of strange to us because we say there's only one Holy Spirit. How can the Holy Spirit be spoken of as seven spirits? In the book of, um, of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, you have a passage that all of you have heard before. You heard it on the day of your confirmation. Um, because uh, at least if you were confirmed according to the regular order of service. Um, and I'm sure you all recognize these words. Um, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Well, count it. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the spirit of the Lord is the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel and the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Altogether, how many spirits? Seven. See? The Holy Ghost, We probably better to say a sevenfold spirit, huh? 
the sevenfold spirit of God. The, the Holy Ghost is the spirit of the Lord, but he's also the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of uh, wisdom, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of... Uh, no, I've got them mixed up, uh, but at least you can figure them out for yourself if you look back to chapter 11, verse 2. But um, So the seven spirits of God are a name for the Holy Ghost. Um, so you have the triune God. Down, uh, so, and God the Father is described in his threefold way. He is and he was and he is to come. Now look how the Son is described. From Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth. Um, I'm reading the King James again. Um, but there you, in the, in the uh, NIV you have simply uh, Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Jesus is described in the threefold way. He's identified in these three ways. Now, there are three things said about him. He loved us, number one. He freed us from our sins by his blood, number two. And he has made us to be a kingdom and priests, number three. So you see the, the threefold arrangement? You have the three persons of God described. Um, the first person of the Trinity is described with these three phrases, he is and he was and he is to come. The second person of the Trinity is described in two different ways, each time um, with three phrases. First three phrases that identify him, and then three phrases that speak of what he has done for us, and that ends then with a benediction to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Now look, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the people of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. Um, this then... Um, is uh, a reference to the day of judgment. He is going to come, and of course, he will judge the world. Now the Savior then speaks, I am Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now that's the introduction to the book then. Now John tells us how he uh, came to have this vision. He says, I, John, your brother and companion in suffering in the kingdom and patient endurance that is ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Now, he was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God. Now, we know that the Roman government used the island of Patmos as an exile island. Uh, John was undoubtedly sent to the island of Patmos by the Roman government because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus, because he had preached the word of God. I mentioned before that the Christianity at this time was an illegal religion. And um, the Christian church was being persecuted. John was pastor in the church of Ephesus. Um, we don't know that from the Bible, but we know that from church history, because the church history tells us that um, in, his in the last years of his life, John went to the, to the city of Ephesus, and there he spent the last years of his life. In fact, one of the church fathers says that the, the original copy of the Gospel according to St. John was still preserved in the church at Ephesus about 300 years after the birth of Christ. They still had the original copy of John's Gospel there. Now, uh, John then was pastor at Ephesus, and he was sent to the island of Patmos as an exile because of the word of God. And he was, he describes the fellow, his fellow Christians in Ephesus and Smyrna and, and so on as his companions in tribulation. In one of the letters, in the letter to Smyrna, he even talks, or rather Pergamos, he talks about a man who was killed for his faith in that congregation. So um, some of the members were being killed. John was sent away um, because of the word of God as a punishment by the government and for preaching. And so he's uh, heard, heard a voice, a voice like a trumpet behind him. He says, oh, first of all, before we go on with that, verse 10. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. Now, the Lord's day is Sunday. 
Um, in fact, this is the only reference to the Lord's Day that you have in the Bible. Uh, and um, the Greek word that's used there is the Greek word for Sunday. And it means the Lord's Day. Um, now this was a Sunday then on the island of Patmos, and on this Sunday on the island of Patmos, he was in the spirit. We might say he went into a trance in which he saw the visions and heard things that he would not ordinarily hear. And he heard a loud voice which told him then to write the things that he was going to see. Um, he said, write down the things which you see and send them to the seven churches. And then he turned around, he says, I turned around to see the voice of the voice that was speaking to me. Now, uh, really, you don't see a voice that's speaking, but you see the person who is speaking. Um, it's um, a figure of speech again. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, seven golden candlesticks, the King James says. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. His head, his head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Now, you really don't know yet who this is, right? Um, if you read this for the first time, uh, by the time you read it twice, uh, you know who it is, um, but um, that's because you read the rest of the chapter, probably. Look at the next verses. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades, or hell. Well, Obviously, when you hear the words, I, will, I am he that liveth was, and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, or I was dead, I, am, I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and of hell. Obviously, who does that have to be? Jesus. That's the risen Christ, right? Jesus who died and rose again. And he, had, he never names himself as Jesus. But every Christian will immediately say, this is the Lord Jesus whom John saw. And then we can go back and say the sword coming out of his mouth, that's the, the word of God. His eyes, which are blazing flames of fire, uh, the eye, eyes of God in the Bible are a symbol for his omniscience. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Thou, Lord, seest me. The Lord looks down from heaven and beholds all the sons of men. You see, the Lord sees what's happening. Now, when the, he sees the eyes are flames of fire, uh, that's more than just outward uh, sight. You see, this is a, um, uh, the kind of sight that penetrates right down to the innermost part of man's being. Um, his uh, head and his hair are white like wool. That's his innocence. And then the, his face shining like the sun in his brilliance. That reminds you of something in the Gospels. Um, you heard it just a Sunday or so ago in church again. When Jesus was transfigured, his face became like the... Son, And here John sees him exactly that way again. So it's very clearly a picture of the Lord Jesus. And now John is told to, to write what he has seen, and he is told also what this vision means. In verses 19 and to the end, Write therefore what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. 
Now, the word angel uh, is, again, a Greek word, which we have taken over into English. The word in Greek um, really means messenger. The Greek word angelos is the, word, the Greek word for messenger. Now, we have taken that Greek word over into English and just made angels out of these messengers. Um, they are messengers because they are sent forth by God to minister to them who are heirs of salvation. The angels are messengers. But the word angel in the, in, the, in the Greek language does not always mean a heavenly messenger. It can be an earthly messenger, too. The same thing is true of Hebrew. The Hebrew word for messenger, also, the Hebrew word for angel is also messenger. And uh, the prophets sometimes called themselves the Lord's messenger. And if you would translate the, the word the way it's ordinarily translated, you would say the prophet is the Lord's angel. Now, so here you would translate the messenger of the seven churches. In fact, the NIV has messengers in the, in the footnote. So the messengers of the seven churches, well, who are they? Who is the messenger of the church? The man who brings the message to the church. That's the pastor. So the seven angels of the seven churches are the seven pastors of the seven churches. And the seven, uh, and the seven stars stand, stand for the seven pastors. And in this vision, John saw this Jesus, this Son of Man, with his face shining as the sun, holding the seven stars in his right hand. In your right hand, you, you, you hold your hammer and your saw as the tools, right? Um, and so the seven stars are the tools that Jesus uses. He holds them in his right hand. He's working with them. So they are really his instruments by which he makes known the message to the seven churches. In fact, um, when, the, when we get to the seven letters, you will notice that the seven letters are really addressed, first of all, to the angel of the seven churches, the angels of the seven churches, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? And obviously, the, the messenger then is to deliver the message to his congregation. And I mentioned already before that when John saw the Lord Jesus standing in the midst of the seven candlesticks, that clearly was a symbolic way of saying, Jesus is not far away in the sky, far away in, in a place called... Um, uh, in a geogra geographical place called heaven. Heaven is wherever God is. And God is where? God is everywhere. And how far do you really have to go to be with God when you die? You don't have to go far at all, right? God's in this room. The only reason that we're not in heaven is because we can't see him in this room. But the angels who are in this room are in heaven. Because the Bible says, in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. And when Jesus ascended into heaven, he didn't go far, far away. Actually, what did he say just before he ascended into heaven? Lo, I am with you all the way even unto the end of the world. Um, and he promised to be with his people wherever they are. That's the last, uh, one of the last promises he gave them. Wherever you go, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. And wherever you go, lo, I am with you all way, even unto the end of the world. And the, Paul says, for example, that Jesus ascended far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. But when God says in the Old Testament, Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? You all understand what God is saying. When God says, I fill heaven and earth, what is he really saying? I'm every place, right? When water fills a pail, where is it in the pail? It's all over in the pail, right? And when God fills heaven and earth, then he's all over in heaven and earth. And so it says in the Bible that Jesus ascended up far above all heavens, 
that he might fill all things. In other words, when he ascended into heaven, he did that in order that he might be present with his people everywhere. Uh, during his time on earth, he was limited to a certain place. He was in Nazareth. When he was in Nazareth, he wasn't in Bethlehem. When he was in Bethlehem, he wasn't in Capernaum. But now that he's ascended into heaven, Jesus has taken over the divine, the use of the divine attribute of omnipresence also as a human being. And this man who was born in Bethlehem, who was crucified on the cross, uh, now is present with his church wherever his church is. And so he's walking in the midst of the seven candlesticks. Now, um, that's simply a symbolic way of saying what Jesus said when he told his disciples, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So uh, that, that shows you really how easy this symbolism is if you just pay attention to what the words say and what the Bible says otherwise, right? Well, that brings us to the end of chapter 1. Uh, um, and we don't have time for discussion now, but you missed your chance. I gave you one at 8 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> um, for next time, will you read at home uh, chapters 2 and 3? And it wouldn't do any harm to read uh, five and, uh, 4 and 5 also. If we get there, I'm going to try to get uh, to those chapters. But uh, 2 and 3 for sure. That'll be the seven letters to the seven churches. Can we close then with the benediction? The Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. The Lord lift up his countenance upon us and give us peace. Amen.